Amen. Amen. All right. So always the third option. This was brought out to me this year. That when I'm talking to people, whether it's just talking with them, life coaching them, pastoral care with them, uh, it's, it's spiritual or practical, I say a lot, third option. What's the third option? Because people usually come and present to you, here's my options. Here's this kind of option and this kind of option. And what they haven't done, we haven't stepped back out and looked at it from a different perspective. And that gives us the third option. Because God is always calling us to say, hey, come sit with me and then see your life from up here. And so what would happen if you today would instead of saying, God, please don't let me get COVID. God, please this. God, please that. Only for today, if you were to praise and worship him, step out of yourself and look at your situation and start glorifying God and seeing it from a different way, seeing your tomorrow in hope. There's a third option. There's always a third option. When people, when they talk about marriage, they talk about two options. You stay together or you get divorced. Two options. There's a third option. You, you, you become his bride. You stay married to him. You receive your joy and your peace and your intimacy from him. And that impacts your marriage. And you don't even have to make those two choices. They're not even, there are not even options. Because the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the tree with the same root. So whatever you pick, stay married or get divorced, is a wrong choice. I want you to hear that. When we say you got, oh, you should, you should leave them. You hear that a lot. You should leave them. You would never hear that 20 years ago, but now we have more freedom. You should leave them. You should leave her. You should stay forever, no matter what. It's, it's not, it's bad choices. It's life. Choose life. When you start choosing life and you embed yourself in him and you eat that fruit and you get grafted into that tree of life, then like all the wisdom you would ever need, then all the decision making you would have, it comes out and it comes out in that right way. And then you're making right choices. Then you're really seeing the evil that's out there. You're not going, you're not, you're not letting the news cycle go, there's evil, there's evil, there's evil, there's evil, there's evil, a little bit of hope, a little bit of hope, evil, 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 you know? I read today or yesterday a list of like Australian fires, you know, all the 2020 stuff, you know, all the bad things that have happened. This is what's amazing with all those bad things, all the bad things that have happened this year, we've had probably the smallest amount of loss of life. Why? Because all the nations around Australia comes to help Australia with the, with the fires. Every fire department that has a uh, fire training center for forest fires went and helped Northern California the last few years as, as that burnt. Why? Because we're better off than we've ever been there. But there's a, I'm saying there's a third option to choose from. There's always a third option. You start seeing with your own eyes through the kingdom lens, and you'll start highlighting, this is good, this is good, this is good. God's doing something here. But when we hear all the time, man, it's all bad, it's all bad, it's all bad, it's all bad, and we predict our future on what's happening today, we begin to act tomorrow like we're acting today instead of predicting it based on what God is saying about you and me, all right? Okay, so I'm going to read Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost 2, verse 1. Acts 2, verse 1, and again, mine, mine is titled, The Holy Spirit Comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They saw tongue to be, to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop there on verse 4. Now, I want to focus on the flame, okay? Not, 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 not the sound that they heard. Um, we always interpret it as a wind, but they, it, doesn't say, it doesn't say anywhere that they saw a wind that I could find. But it says a sound like the wind, which we assume it's the wind. But again, it says fire, but not fire. It's like fire. And that becomes a little bit important. This, it's not fire. It's like fire. I want you to hear that, okay? If it is fire, then there's, a, then there's an explanation for it. But if it's like fire coming from some invisible space, some unknown space here in us, if we were gathered, as we are gathered, and something just comes and it's fire or like fire, but if it is fire, then we're going to look for a gas leak, we're going to look for a, a, a kitchen fire, we're going to look for something. Speaking of kitchen fires, I don't know what I was doing. I was in the bedroom reading, and we have the living room, then the kitchen, and Victoria's like, Dad, Dad! And I come, I come walking out, and she's like, there's a fire. And she had, she had uh, burnt the, um, I think it was the spatula. She had set the spatula in the flame, and it got the, the thing on fire. So the whole thing was on fire. So, you know, she, we went out there, and it was not a, not a problem except for the smell in the house. But you know where it comes from, right? This is the thing about the Holy Spirit. We still want tangible evidence sometimes because we think there has to be wind, there has to be fire, but it's as wind, it's as fire. We now today say, I believe it, I'm going to experience it, and I can experience it anywhere I am. Anywhere I need a refreshing, anywhere I need an empowering, I can experience Pentecost because it's like fire. I don't need an explanation for it. I just need a belief in fire, okay? Now, fire is extremely important in the Bible as an image that represents the presence of God. We've got the burning bush with Moses. I don't know why they call it the burning bush, because I think the talking bush would be a lot better. Because I could burn a bush, but I couldn't make a bush talk. So from here to four, we'll call it the talking bush. I'm kidding, because that would be confusing. There's pillars of fire each evening when the Israelites are traveling to give them light in the desert, promising as a promise that the presence of God would go with them. Now, do do any of you have pillars of light at night when you go to bed? We don't. Why? Because we believe that presence is still there with me as I go to bed. That presence is still there. Anytime I'm in the desert, any old scraggly cactus in my life, can represent the presence of God, can speak to me, can encourage me, can lead me somewhere. It's all how we have our eyes and our ears filter. And then I believe, you know, I forgot to look this up. I'm pretty sure it's on Mount Sinai with the prophet Elijah. He, he's up there. There's 400 priests that are anti-Christ, that are not anti-Christ. They're against God. They're worshiping Baal. They go up there. They cut themselves. They chant for hours. They dance, and they have their fire pit, and their gods don't bring down any fire. And the prophet of God over here, he digs, he digs, a, uh, 
He, around, his, around his altar, he digs that, um, he puts a trench around it. He puts a bunch of water in that trench, a bunch of water of all, this food, uh, all of the wood. And then he prays in the fire of God, signifying the reality of God, the presence of God, the supremacy of God comes down and whooshes up, let's say, yeah, swooshes up, it drinks up all that water, consumes all of that wood in a moment. It's signifying the presence of God is here. It's important. Fire is important for the presence of God. So when we're thinking Pentecost, because we, we're not Pentecostal with a capital P, you know, what means like a denomination Pentecostal, but I'm a Pentecostal with the small letter P, with a small letter P, because I believe in Pentecost. Now, what we've done, we've religiousized Pentecost, called it Pentecostal with a capital P, the same way we've taken charismatic with a big C, it means all this stuff religiously, but with a small C, a charismatic means I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? Just the same way we've taken the word Catholic and made it a big C, and when we think Catholic, we mean we think the entire Roman Catholic Church that has an almost 2,000-year history. But really, Catholic or Catholicism in a small C just means the, 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 basically the whole church. So we take these things and we religiousize them, we politicize them into good and bad instead of like this other option for Pentecostals and for Charismatics. Most pastors I speak to believe in the gifts of the Spirit of all den- across all denominations that I talk to here, and, and what they do, but they don't utilize or operate in them or even want them in their church, but they believe in it. And they believe in the Pentecostal moment of being filled with the Holy Spirit and that teaching. But what they don't, they don't, they don't take it a step further like we want to, is like I can be blessed by spiritual gifts and I can operate in a completely different way when I'm operating in gifts of the Spirit. So I can speak some wisdom, but when I'm prophesying, it lifts up that wisdom. It lifts up that voice that I have when I talk to God. I can, I can, I can know some information when I'm talking to Buddy, but if the Lord downloads something to me that's very specific, a word of knowledge, and I share that, that takes my relationship, it takes my knowledge, what I might know about him, and it, and it heightens it, and it reveals it, and it puts some light on it. So we want to believe in these things. Can they get weird? Can the idea of pursuing the presence of God get weird? Absolutely. I know more than most. I've been in it for almost 45 years now. Been spirit-filled believer, spirit-filled believer for 45, almost 45 years um, it'll be next summer. It's 44 years right now. Got baptized in 1969 in a Baptist church. And then I had six years of getting saved like every chapel or every time they had an altar call because I kind of like experienced a little bit of God, but it was like, I'm afraid I'm going to hell, so I'll run up front. And I kept getting saved until I hit 13 and, and, and experienced some gifts of the Spirit, experienced some of the presence of God in my own life with teenagers with the church, my parents' church, and then within my own self in prayer. And that solidified my experience with him, that he is a good God. And then I've, I've tried to live that out. And it's been a struggle because life begins to hand you stuff. You're like, well, maybe he's not that good of a God. Maybe he's good to everybody else, but maybe not to me. So you start struggling with that. So I want to encourage you to start thinking about yourself as a place of Pentecost, all right? Because another thing that fire designates is that this is a place 
where God wants to reside. So whenever they're done with the building of the temple, whether it's a tent or a physical temple, or if it's the, uh, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, what happens? The presence of God lives in all three of those, right? Lives in all three of those. Like it's powerful, it's pal- palpable, it's tangible. You can feel it. It's such an experience that the high priest has to walk in with a, something tied around his ankle when he gets into the Holy of Holies once a year just in case he dies. And he wears bells on him so they can hear him moving about. If he stops moving about, they tug on that. Because, there's, because we know where fire is, where there's a temple space, whether it's in a tent or a building or the Ark of the Covenant, God is present there. So what, what, what these people know 2,000 years ago is fire was here. There's something happened here that's indicating that this is a temple. But instead of saying this meeting room, this upper room we're in that we're a temple, what comes out of it is that each of the 120 are the temples. You you get it? Tent, physical tent, physical temple, physical Ark of the Covenant, whatever order, and then us. And since it's been us at this day of Pentecost, it's never been the church building. It's never been the rituals. It's never been the temple. It's never been in a box. It's in human form of you and me. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. So we, I want you to get this, we generate the fire of God. So when we're looking up, whether it's your time of need, whether you're like, you're like, I, I, I got to get some praise on. What we do, and I think this is right, but this is the end of it. We, get some, we, we listen to some music, and the music nowadays is just amazing. We lift up our eyes, but then we're thinking something's going to come down to us. But I think when we lift up our eyes, there's supposed to be a lifting up here. Right? Because we're the temples. But what, sometimes what we do, we're like, I got to get to church. I got to get to us Wednesday night. I got to hear a good message. Well, this is the good message that will really transform you is the one you hear from right here. The one you hear from within yourself. The one when you can actually declare, I'm a favored son. I'm a favored daughter of, the, of God. I, I have every right to hear him. I can clearly hear God. And you say that and, you, and that rises us up. You encourage yourself in the Lord. When you can say I'm 100% lovable and anybody who treats me poorly, it doesn't say anything about me. It says something about them because God's already said everything about me that I need to know. I don't need to know what they say about me. I won't receive any shame. I won't receive any rejection. I won't receive any judgment from them. I will only receive what God has already spoken over me. So when we think of this fire, we've got to look at a, a deeper level. So if it's not fire, but it's like fire, then, then, then it's something that rushes and gushes towards them, okay? Because what it says, it comes out, in my mind, I've seen this a little bit differently over the years, but in my mind, it says that it forks out, it divides out. So it's like it's coming from a single source in this room, and it would be like, we've seen it in the movies, right? You know, some superhero, or usually the bad guy, he comes in, he goes, he, you know, clenches his fist and his eyes go, and, it, and, a, and a laser beam goes and hits everybody in the head, right? But what it really is, it's, it's kind of dividing out, but it's something like if I had a big blow torch, and at one time I could generate it so it shoots fire above your head like that, would you just go, whoa, this is amazing, this is God? You'd probably freak out, right? I would freak out. Years ago, when the Raiders of the Lost Ark ride in Disneyland, 
first came out, you would actually stand in line, you would get in a Jeep with three or four people in the front seat, three or four people in the back seat, and it was the first time I remember them doing this, but they would have natives jump out, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they would have blow darts, and they would, they would go, <gasps> and you would, feel, you would feel the dart go right past your neck, like it just skins your hair, and it's just puffs of air, right? It's not a dart. It's like a dart. So these things that, like, like we are scared of fire, and we would be scared of things like fire, unless we knew these are really awesome things. What if you knew that burning up for him was a good thing? We would pursue more intimacy with him. And I think that's where we start burning is intimacy with him, within us for him. God, I, I want your way on this, God. I want your way. I don't want good or bad, good or evil. I don't want right or wrong. I, I'm, I'm done with right or wrong. I want what you say for me. Because people can look at you and say, this is right what you're doing, this is wrong what you're doing. Who cares what other people think about what you are or aren't doing? I mean, if they're boss, you have to you abide by that and things like that. But, but when the, in, in our realm of how we live our lives, how we surrender to him, it is life, life, life and life more abundantly. Scripture never says good or evil, one gets you more abundant life. It's always him. It's always him. It's always him. It's always him. It's that's how simple and that's how foolish we want to be. Now, think about that. Fire is always where temples are designated. You guys are designated temples of the Holy Spirit. When fire, where fire is, is where heaven is meeting earth here at Pentecost, right? There's, there's a whole new thing happening. And when it says the fire lit upon them, it doesn't say it lit upon them and stayed upon them. The, the phrasing there is that it was temporary, temporary. It wasn't, it wasn't forever. But this is what happens. The more authentic mine and your relationships are with God, the more authentic. I don't mean the more we do good or evil. I mean the more authentic our conversation is with him, the more authentic we're believing towards him, the simpler we are to just quickly surrender, then what happens, the more and more... The, the more and more then we actually get to feel that heat and we get to feel that sense that there's something going on here. But we don't need, we don't need revivalistic, and we call it revival, but we don't need every Sunday or every Friday. We have to find a place with an anointed minister because we're, we're taking our temple to his temple and say, hey, we want some of what your temple has. And there is a place for that. There's a place to get teaching. There's a place to get ministry to. There's a place to get wisdom through life coaching, pastoral care, or professional uh, counseling. There's all those things, but we have it within us. We abide in him. He abides in us. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a temple space. Come on, say it nice and loud. You are a temple space. Okay, I want you to take your finger, I want you to point it to yourself, and I want, this, is, this is prophecy, you're speaking the heart of God. Yeah, some of you are like doing this, like, and you know, really, this is where we should do it, right in our head, and we, I am temple space, I am his temple, I am his temple, I am his temple, not the pastor I like a lot, he can be too, but I'm the temple I'm supposed to maintain. I'm the temple I'm supposed to preach in. I'm the temple I'm supposed to preach from. I'm the temple from which all of his blessings flow. 
And we're looking for other people to help us flow his blessings, which is right and which is wrong, okay? But first and foremost, always first, the, the third option isn't, I'll choose this denomination or this denomination. I'll choose to do this, and I won't choose to do this. It's the third option. I will choose to be his temple, to maintain my temple, to maintain the worship and the praise and the position of sacrifice within me, and the joy that comes from within me, and then these other two choices will work out. So this is what happens. We have three choices. First choice, first option, study Pentecost. Second option, try to recreate Pentecost in special moments with special speakers. Third option, we believe Pentecost has marked a temple space within us, and we provide Pentecost wherever we go. We start believing in Pentecost wherever we go. Three options. The first option... Study Pentecost is I, I'll get super intellectual about it, and I'll tell people what it means and what it doesn't mean, but I won't ever experience anything. Second option is that uh, I'll try to recreate it, and I'll be thirsty all the time, but I'll be thirsty for a manifestation instead of the intimacy of me with my, with my Savior. The third option is means I use my mind and I study about it. I feel my soul feels revitalized and uplifted, but my spirit is the one that's leading it, and it grows like wildfire within me because I'm experiencing more and more something from heaven. And since Jesus, since this day in Pentecost, it's never been about the building. It's never been about the denomination. It's never been about all the beliefs, getting them all right. It's never been about since Jesus died and was resurrected. It's never been about you not sinning. It's never been about you reading more of your Bible. It's never been about you praying more. It's never been about you waiting till you know something more. The only thing you need to know is you are a temple full of the Holy Spirit, full of gifts of the Holy Spirit, full of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and you can be a temple moment, a burning bush, a radical experience for people around you if you will allow your spirit to rise up and move upon that, all right? So we don't want to just speak like charismatics with a small c. We don't want to just act like Pentecostals with a small letter p. But what we want to do, we want to walk in the simplicity and the surrender that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, what am I offering to people wherever I go, all right? And we want that with our spirit. We want that in our, in, our, in our soul, in our mind, in our emotions. We want that in our physical body. We want to feel, there's nothing wrong with to want to feel the presence of God with your physical body. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I had about two years ago, I'm the guy, I mean, I was a stoic, man. You couldn't, you couldn't pray for me and have me fall out in the spirit for anything. And I've been in spirit-filled churches since I was 13, primarily, worked in their schools and things like that. And I, I would always say I had this belief that said, it limited me. I was like, I just don't experience God the way, and that's okay. That's just how I'm made. So but it does. So I take this thermostat. Instead of being, God wants me to be 100 degrees, I push it down here at about 34 degrees and say God can't move. And then I began to break that a few years ago. And I began to declare over myself, I get all the Holy Spirit in the room. I sense the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit just sneezes, I, I can hear him. I, if the Holy Spirit just cracks the door open, I'm going to go shove my foot in and open it up. And when I begin to start believing that about myself, I can sense and feel 
and experience the Holy Spirit in fuller and fuller ways that I'm not going to constrain the Holy Spirit. I'm going to open myself up, my body up, my mind up. Things began to shift and change for me, and I've had some really strange experiences with the Holy Spirit. And it's strange experiences with studying the Bible in like my mind or how I feel about God's love or what I think about a scripture because of me pushing that thermostat up. Because what happens in a thermostat? We control. The Holy Spirit can be out with all this power, all these gifts, all this love, all this acceptance, all this grace. And we're like, I don't deserve it. So we shove that thermostat down. And then God can't get it to us. We think it's all up to him. But, but we set the bar we raise that bar up, I'm a temple. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Any, any gift my friends need when I'm sitting around with them, man, I have, a, I have a gift. All I have to do is believe and reach out and pray for them, and God will be right there. And even if I don't feel anything, even if it doesn't look like anything happened, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe God's doing something through me, through the worship and the stuff that's going on with me. God's changing the world around me because of that stuff. All right, let's go ahead and stand, and we'll close right here. So we just thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you. We take this moment again. We start it with this. We'll end with this, that we believe that when we just settle in and we just take a moment to take our thoughts captive, we take a moment to rest our body, we take a moment to stop remembering our past, to stop thinking and predicting our future based on what we know, we take a moment, we will experience more and more your presence. We will hear more and more. We will hear clearer and clearer words. We will get a greater and greater sense of your love and your affection for us. That we're not alone. We have no reason to lose hope. We have no reason to be afraid. We have no reason to be lonely. We have no reason to doubt that your word and the goodness in your word is for us. We have no reason to doubt that you are for us and not against us, that you have plans to prosper us. And we thank you for that, Father. And to this morning, we thank you specifically for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for specifically for making us the place that you desire to dwell. And we say you are welcome. You're welcome to every part of us. You're welcome to every memory, to every experience, to every hope, to every fear. To every good, bad, and ugly thing within us, we just say you're welcome to it. And we want to walk as people, people that have, 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 have temple experiences, and we live out of the temple that you've made us to be. We thank you for that. We bless you. We bless our, our homes, our families. We bless ourselves, our neighborhoods. We bless, we bless Tomball, Texas, and all the community around it. We bless Texas, the United States, and every country in every part of this world, we bless it in Jesus' name. And we say, your plans for us are good and not evil. Amen. All right, God bless you all.